Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. Well, this past Thursday, I had a very vivid dream that I want to share with you. Uh, But first, I want to demystify dreams a little bit for you. I've never actually taught on dreams, so just a quick teaching on dreams. Dreams belong to the Lord. They belong. He loves to communicate through dreams and visions. How do I know this? Well, in Scripture, dreams and visions are the most common way that God spoke to people. Have you noticed? Dreams and visions are all over the Old Testament. In Genesis 15, God's covenant with Abraham is sealed by a dream of a blazing torch. Jacob had dreams from God. So did Joseph, and so did Moses, and so did Gideon, and Solomon, and the list goes on. And dreams didn't stop there, but they continued into the New Testament. If you look in the book of Acts alone, there are 21 instances of dreams and visions. And of course, the book of, Reve- the book of Revelation, right? It's like a documented vision is what it is. The Bible even tells us that there will be a certain time in human history when dreams and visions will explode. You find this in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. It says, in the last days... God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Glad to know that I'm considered an old man now, according to the Bible, because I'm having dreams. But God loves to communicate with us through dreams, through visions, and through prophecy, especially in these last days, because it's a great way to get your attention. God's saying, up here, listen. It's a great way to get your attention and communicate countless details in a moment's time. How many of you know that like a vision can flash before your eyes and it's like a thousand words were just spoken to you? It's amazing. Yet many Christians excuse dreams and visions as some like cuckoo mystical thing. Anyone, anyone want to admit that like that's kind of how I see dreams and, and visions? Okay, you're not being honest. All right, nobody's raising their hand. That's because Satan has his counterfeit, mainly all this new age stuff that goes on. And there is even some cuckoo stuff that goes on in the Christian circles. I would agree with you on that. And because the counterfeit exists, we do what we do best as Christians. We just eliminate all of it. Just get rid of it all. One extreme or the other, right? (laughs) We don't like to put in the effort to discern what's from God and what isn't. We don't want to put in that effort. That's too much work. So we're just going to get rid of all of it. But it's time to stop being lazy. It's time. Not all dreams are from God. Some come as a result of what you've watched on TV or what you've been thinking about. Demons can insert dreams and visions into your mind, but it's easy to discern when they come from God. Y'all, this is easy. (laughs) I don't know why we haven't been putting in the work to do this. Demonic dreams are demonic. They're demonic. You wake up scared. You wake up anxious. You have some kind of lustful dreams, so you feel ashamed and you feel embarrassed. Demonic dreams are demonic. They're easy to spot. Other dreams come from your own choices. Maybe it relates to something you watched on TV right? That's easy to spot because you have a dream that relates to what you watched the night before. I mean, that's easy to figure out. Everything else is most likely the Lord trying to get your attention. He can't get to you during the day because you're so busy. So he tries to get you at night. Are you listening? Are you paying attention? 
Every time you have a dream, you should run it through these filters. Was it demonic? If so, discard it and move on. Don't think about it anymore. Do not let it ruin your day. How many of y'all let a demonic dream ruin your day? You had a nightmare, you had a lustful dream, and, and then the enemy is trying to convince you, you know, you've sinned. It's like, I didn't choose that dream. You inserted that dream. So you rebuke it and you move on. That's what you do when you have a demonic dream. You rebuke it and you move on. And as you resist the devil, what happens? He'll flee from you. So if you're being tormented by demonic dreams, start resisting it, start rebuking it, and you won't have them anymore. So was the dream from your own choices? If it was, what do you do? You repent and you move on. Was it from God? And if it was, you write it down and you search out the meaning. You put in the work to figure out what is God saying to me? Most of the time when God gives me a dream, I don't understand it right off the bat. I have to write it down and I have to spend time searching out the meaning. I think this is God's way of getting me to spend more time with him. Sometimes I get the answer within a couple days. Other times it takes months. Sometimes it even takes years to get the full understanding of the dreams that he gives me. That's why I write them down. How many of you have had a dream before? You woke up and you're like, I should write that down. And the Holy Spirit's urging you, write that down, write that down. And then you don't. And you forget about it, don't you? Got to write it down. When you don't write it down, you reveal how unimpressed you are that God just spoke to you. You're just unimpressed. Same thing happens when you get a prophetic word during church and you don't write it down or record it. You're just showing how, well, I'm just unimpressed that God just spoke to me. We must change our ways. We must choose to value when God speaks, whether it comes from a sermon on Sunday, a tongue and interpretation, a prophetic word, a vision, or a dream. We've got to start valuing when God speaks. And you know what? This is easy for you because we live stream every service. Now, sometimes you get a word and it's not in the mic, and that's when you need to, I'm going to start pulling out my phone for those moments, like hit and record, because I don't want to forget what God said. And even if you don't have the digital means, you can go sit down at your chair after somebody gives you a word and write it down. So when God speaks, we must discipline ourselves to listen intently. Pay attention to how you listen, right? little reminder from last week. And we got to value the words as if they are gold, because they really are. We should be taking notes on Sunday. We should go back and listen to those prophetic words on a regular basis. We should write down the dreams that he gives us. How many of you need to repent for being unimpressed when God speaks to you? Anybody in the room need to repent for that? Go ahead and raise your hand right now. Repent your sins to one another so that you can be healed, right? I repent from that. I'm not doing it anymore. Now go ahead and get out your notebook. Get out the notes app on your phone and just write down the correction that you just received from the Lord. Write it down. It could be as simple as today's the day I stop being unimpressed whenever God speaks to me. And guess what? I'm going to wait for you to do that. Pull out your notebook. Pull out your notes app on your phone and write down what the Lord's saying to you regarding this. It'd be a shame for me to teach on this and then not give you an opportunity to do it. We must value correction from the Lord. How many of y'all value correction from the Lord? I feel like I could tell a story on Beth right now. Can I tell your story? Just from... <laughs> you know what I'm talking... Okay. 
So Beth is uh, learning piano. Amy up here is teaching her how to play, which, by the way, if you, if you want to learn piano, this is the one to go to up here. She's, she's awesome at it. She's teaching our kids, too. And uh, so she's kind of like has this thing going where she wants to play piano for worship, and, and the Lord corrected her. I think it was this past Friday. He said, I didn't call you to play piano for worship. I called you to sing, and I need you to focus. It's not that you can't play it. It's not that you can't learn how to play it and play it at home. But that's not what I want you to do at church. I want you to focus and sing and lead the people in worship. So the Holy Spirit came in and gave Beth a good correction. Did you value that correction? (laughs) With a bit of hesitation, she says yes. So when he gives us correction, we write it down. When he gives us a dream, we write it down. When he gives us a vision, a prophetic word, what do we do? Write it down. And when there's a sermon on Sunday and I say something that hits you between the eyes, what do you do? You write that down. I'm not asking you to write down my whole sermon. But there's things that hit you on Sunday mornings, and those are the things that you write down. Dreams belong to the Lord. They're not cuckoo and they're not mystical. There are dreams that are not from the Lord. Discard them quickly, but pay close attention to the dreams and visions that the Lord gives you. I think they're more frequent than you think that they are. So last Thursday, I had a dream from the Lord. I was in a church service, and it was in a large building full of people. It was not our church. I was the guest speaker at another church. And while waiting for the service to start, I went to sit down on the front row with the mother and her child. And the little boy was about the age of seven. I noticed the boy had deformed hands. Each hand had only three fingers. The mother told me how she had been to many healing services to no avail and she was losing hope. And as we were talking, worship started. Everybody stood up and began to sing. However, I wasn't singing. I was praying and I was asking God, God, you got to heal this little boy. Like you got to do it today. It's got to happen now. And shortly after I looked over at the boy and I watched as he lifted his hands in worship And as he did, his hands were instantly restored. He goes from having deformed three-finger hands to five-fingered, beautiful hands. I get the mom's attention, and as you can imagine, she's overcome with thankfulness, right? She's like, wow. We both wanted to tell the whole congregation, but everybody was so engaged in worship that we had to wait until worship was over. And so at this point, I woke up, and I just had a huge smile on my face after a dream like that, right? The presence of God was not just in my dream, but it was in my bedroom when I woke up. It was just so comforting and joyful and peaceful. And so I wrote the dream down. I followed my own advice. I wrote the dream down. I told Beth about it, and then I pondered the meaning, and I didn't get anywhere. So I held it in my heart, trusting God to clarify it at the right time. And the next day, I got a text message about a city elders event going on that morning. And I usually don't do things on a whim. If you know me very well, I'm a pretty scheduled person. (laughs) I have my plan, and not not much can deviate me from what I'm about to do, except the Lord. So I get that text, and normally I just discard it and move on, but I, I feel the urge of the Holy Spirit. It's like, you should, you should go to that. So, so I went, and while at the meeting, we all began to pray. And as we were praying, the Holy Spirit taught me the meaning of the dream while we were praying. I wasn't even thinking about the dream at the time. Simply gathering with the body of Christ in prayer opened the spiritual realm so that I could reach in and grab a hold of something that God had for me. 
This is the reason you're drawn to Sunday service, because something unexplainable happens when we gather and we seek God together. I don't know how else to explain it other than it's like the windows of heaven open and we're able to reach in and grab what we need. So if I were you, I would go to every gathering where the Holy Spirit is welcome that you can go to. Show up on Sundays, show up on Tuesdays for prayer school, go to other events where the Holy Spirit is moving because you get answers during those moments. There's something special that happens when the body of Christ gathers together and prays. When the true body of Christ gathers, that's when breakthrough happens. That's when miracles manifest. That's when healing manifests. Answers from heaven come. Demons are cast out. I mean, it's just incredible what happens when the body of Christ gathers. And that's why the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering. Because you're going to be missing out on a whole lot whenever you forsake the gathering. And that's why I prioritize Sunday mornings and Tuesday evenings here at No Limits, because there's something special that happens when we gather. But you only get to partake whenever you show up expecting You should know that. You only get to partake when you show up expecting. If you show up with a bad attitude or if you show up out of obligation, don't expect to receive anything from the Lord because you won't. You won't. You have to show up expecting. If you show up with a pure heart ready to seek God with his church and ready to serve his church, when you show up, get ready for his goodness to be made manifest to you every time, every time. Don't bring those bad attitudes in with you. Just just get rid of those while you're at home so that you can receive from the Lord. So at the city elders gathering during prayer, the Holy Spirit explains the dream to me. The withered hand represents the deformed church led by the threefold ministry. It has pastors, it has teachers, it has evangelists, but it rejects the other two leadership gifts. The healed hand represents the beautiful, powerful church led by the five-fold ministry where the apostle and the prophet leadership gifts have been welcomed and restored within the church. Amen. The requirement for restoration is to surrender. Healing didn't come until the little boy lifted his hands in worship. Nothing else brought healing except Surrender. For the church to be restored, we must surrender completely to God. We have to abandon our own ideas about church. We must ignore the expectation of how others think that we should do church. We must surrender to God's design and be led by the fivefold ministry gifts. It's the only way to be healed. That's good. Yeah. In my second year of Rhema Bible College, we had to choose our path of ministry, whether it be evangelists, missions, children's and youth, pastor, ministry of helps. I think those were all the options. So which one do you think I chose? Yeah, you think pastor because that's where you see me today. But this was 12 years ago. They didn't have a worship, or that probably would have been the obvious one. But I was compelled at the time to choose evangelist. (laughs) interestingly the year after graduating rhema i started a blog called collaborate worship to help churches improve their sound and their worship ministry it later became a youtube channel which now has over five million views that represent nearly every country in the world it's not what most would consider evangelism yet my voice is now in hundreds of thousands of churches 
around the world, helping them to more effectively reach people for Christ. This is also when the teaching gift came alive within me. Around the same time, the Holy Spirit gave me the ability to simplify complicated things and communicate them in a way that people could understand. This enabled me to create online courses through Collaborate Worship. I now have more than 8,000 students in my online school. Then in 2018, I was hiking in a trail that I forged in the wooded area behind my house, and out of nowhere, God's vision for No Limits Church dropped into my spirit. I sensed the pastoral mantle just kind of drop on me. Like, what is that? Although my dad was pastoring the church then, he'd been ready to pass to the next leader for years. Many assumed I was next in line, but I told him, I don't think so. It is not me. How could I be the pastor? I mean, I wasn't even 30 yet at this time. With a man bun on the top of my head, I didn't look like a pastor, that's for sure. And as a blogger and as a worship leader, I sure didn't act like a pastor. And while all these thoughts were running through my head, I sensed the Spirit of God ask, who said you have to pastor like somebody else? Who said you have to look like the other pastors? And the question stunned me. I couldn't come up with a good answer to that, which happens often, right? Whenever the Holy Spirit poses a question to you, it's not because there's an answer. <laughs> yeah. So I felt like I had no other choice but to answer the call. And so with a bit of hesitation in my voice, I said, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so you can now see the fruit of an evangelist, a teacher, and a pastor operating in my life. These are not things that I sought out. They came and they found me. Two years into pastoring in 2020, I began to have prophetic visions and dreams. I had a few leading up to this point spread across many years, but now I was having them weekly, if not more than once per week. One of the most memorable was when the Holy Spirit revealed to me that the vaccine would cause more harm than the virus. And this was long before they were even creating the vaccine. Imagine the trembling in my voice whenever I brought that message to the church. Most people didn't realize this, but, or most people don't realize this about prophecy. We, we tend to think that prophecy is all the feel-good stuff. Stuff that makes us tingly inside. Yeah, that's not how it works. Prophecy is primarily warnings and corrections for the church. The Spirit of God graciously reveals where we will end up if we don't change. That's the grace of God at work right there. You can go through my messages from the latter part of 2020 through 2022, and you'll find that most of them are prophetic messages of correction to the church. The Lord was correcting the church. Then in 2022, Beth and I began to operate in tongues and interpretation on a regular basis. We were digging deeper into prophecy and releasing God's message for our church. Just happened today. Just, it's, I love it whenever God speaks to us in that way. So although I did not recognize this until a few days ago, there's proven evidence of four of the five-fold ministry gifts at work in my life, from evangelist to teacher to pastor to prophet. I didn't seek these things out. They found me as I was obeying the leading of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, I never felt qualified for any of it. I did it anyway. This leads me to 10 days ago. I was studying the book of Luke. Ended up in chapter 9, and it starts off like this. 
One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And then Jesus gave them further instructions like don't, take, don't pack a bag, don't take food, don't take money, stay in the same house until you leave. And if they reject you, get out of there quickly and leave them to their fate. <laughs> the disciples went out, they did what Jesus told them to do, and then they returned in verse 10. And look at what it says in verse 10. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Do you know why I highlighted the word apostles? Because in verse 1, he called them disciples. And then they came back as apostles. When I read this, the distinction jumped off the page at me. The Holy Spirit has this way of highlighting the things that you need to pay attention to in the Word of God as you read it. Has that ever happened to you? If it has not happened to you, just ask the Holy Spirit to do it. He'll do it. Invite him into your your Bible study time. Quit doing it by yourself. So how do you identify an apostle according to this scripture? Well, they have power and authority from Christ to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases, and they're obedient in their assignment to tell others about the kingdom of God, about the kingdom of God, not about salvation, about the kingdom of God. And up until two months ago, I was completely uninterested in casting out demons, uninterested. I thought it was cool that Jesus did it. Go Jesus. But I never intended to study it. I never intended to teach it, and I sure didn't intend to demonstrate it. And then you know what happened. I thought about, I taught about casting out demons for the first time on Sunday, May 21st, and it wasn't by choice either. It was obedience to the Holy Spirit. And on a side note, you should know that every message that I bring you is this way. I wait for the Holy Spirit to show me what you need. I wait, and he's faithful to do it week after week. It's amazing. He's been doing this for what, three years now? Before I used to plan my messages three months in advance out of my own brain. And they were good messages, but they had no power because it was Cade's messages. And then the Lord corrected me in the middle of 2020. Never been the same since. He's like, wait for me to show you what you need to teach. And I do that every week. And it's amazing. It's amazing to be the vessel that delivers these messages. It's amazing that he shows me every week. I mean, and I still get nervous sometimes because it's like leading up and it's, it's Friday and he still hasn't told me. And then there's days where I sit down, he says, begin writing, and it all unfolds as I write. It's just amazing. The Holy, it's amazing walking with the Holy Spirit. And it's so easy walking with the Holy Spirit. The hard part about walking with the Holy Spirit is submitting. That's the hard part. Once you submit, it's all easy. <laughs> it's amazing. So I teach about casting out demons, hoping I can just end the message with an uneventful altar call. That's, that was my plan, right? Uneventful. Anybody need? Nope, nobody needs it. All right, let's all go home, right? And then I end up getting delivered from a spirit of infirmity that I didn't even know that I had. I mean, it was just a Sunday I'll never forget. Since then, several people have been delivered from demons, and there's many more to come. The Lord is done with demonic oppression in his house. Like, he's done with it. It's over. He's stirring us up to just cast it all out, get it all out. So in the midst of all this, I go to a city elders banquet, and uh, I've been to these several times over the past two years, but this is the first time that I connected the dots (laughs) to what the Lord had been doing the last two years. City elders is on mission to reestablish godly leaders in both government and the church. 
They understand that the church is designed to lead cities and nations, not just build churches. They get it. And as we know from the prophetic word that was given to us this past January, our church is called to disciple the city of Owasso. We're called to make this a safe, make Owasso a safe haven until Jesus comes. In other words, we're called to bring God's kingdom to Owasso, to where people, when people look at Owasso, they say, God's kingdom is working there. So at the city elders banquet, I finally realized they have the blueprint to fulfilling that prophetic word. They have the blueprint. God revealed them the process of how to get there, and they have made it available to us. It's just incredible. And this is exciting because it means that God's not only working in Owasso. City elders reaches out across the entire United States. They're helping pastors and leaders and business leaders in cities all over the United States incorporate city elders into their city and take their city back for the, for the kingdom of God. It's exciting. God is not interested in building a bunch of churches. He's not. He's interested in building his kingdom. He wants his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Don't, make, don't confuse that with building a bunch of churches. That was never the plan. It was never the plan. So I now have a deep desire to establish God's kingdom that I've never had before. I actually understand what God wants. He wants the nations, but it starts with the cities. And before, all I could think about was building a church. That's all I could think about. And now all I can think about is building his kingdom. There's a huge difference. God is sending me into the city. He has commissioned me to lead this city into the kingdom of God. He has given me power to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. And as good as Owasso looks on the outside, I mean, it looks really good on the outside. Yes, there are demons to be cast out of this city. This entire city is held captive by religious Pharisee spirits. We're going to set the city free. God is also sending me into the realm of the LGBTQ community, a realm that is completely untouched by the power of God. There's going to be a massive move of deliverance. There is. I can see it. I can see it. All this time, all this time, the Lord has been preparing me to be an apostle. And I'm shocked. It's overwhelming. But yet I'm honored that he would choose me for this assignment. Once again, I feel unqualified. I do. But I've learned by now that the Lord does this on purpose. Otherwise, I would step into this new assignment in my own power, and I would fail miserably. So I don't even have that choice. I can't pull this out of myself. It's, I mean, the Holy Spirit's in there. I got to pull it out of there. I can't pull it out of my own mind, out of my own skills, out of my own abilities. Like, I have to, the Lord is going to have to qualify me through his power. It's the only way it can be done. This brings me to a recurring dream that I've had over the past year. I've had it at least five times. The first time was in August 2022, almost a year ago. I was headed down 169 South, and traffic came to a screeching halt. If you have to go to work at 8 a.m. every morning, you know what that's like, right? Luckily, I was at a place where there was a gravel section that, section that connected each side of the highway. 
And I was perplexed as to why nobody was using the turnaround point. They kept driving forward into standstill traffic. They missed their chance. I took my chance and I turned around. Now I was headed down 169 North. Interestingly, this is the direction I needed to go anyways. I was headed to preach at a small church that was just north of Owasso. Just to give you the interpretation of this part of the dream, this is what happened in 2020 whenever I made the decision to go a different direction than most pastors. Everybody else was headed the same way into standstill traffic traffic where they're not going to get anything done. They're just going to sit there and be aggravated. But I chose to turn around, which was the direction I needed to go anyway. So I made it to that church rather quickly, and I walked in, and there were five people praying. Interesting detail. Five. But none of them greeted me. It's like they didn't even know I was there, even though I was the guest speaker. So I went back out into the parking lot and decided to check the weather on my phone. It was over 100 degrees outside, and I wanted to see if it was going to cool off before the evening service. On the radar, there was a huge winter storm coming from the north. The future cast showed that it would move all the way down the U.S. and even into Mexico. In less than an hour, it was supposed to be snowing, and it was currently 100 degrees outside. So I went back in the church to see if anyone else was aware that we were under a winter storm warning. Did y'all know that? And everyone I talked to kind of nodded their head as if they knew what was going on, but acted like it's no big deal. Also, at this point, the church was almost packed and the room was bigger than the first time that I went in there. The service was supposed to start at 6, and at this point it was 6.30. They were waiting for more people to show up before starting. So I decided, okay, I'll just go back home until everybody's ready. (laughs) Shortly after I got home, I looked outside and I saw that our grass was almost covered with snow. So I decided to change into something warmer before I went back to preach. I didn't like what I put on. I didn't like it, but it was time to go. So I'm frantically trying to find the right outfit to wear. And then I couldn't find my backpack with my laptop and my notes. And I knew I was late and I was aggravated at myself for going home. And then I woke up. In the recurrence of this same dream, the common thread was that I was headed to preach and I didn't like the clothes that I had on. Yet I could not find anything else to wear. In the most recent version of this dream, I finally said, whatever, whatever, I'm going. I have to preach regardless of what I have on. The meaning of this dream is so rich, but I just want to highlight one part of it today. My next assignment in the church requires a change of clothes. I can't wear what I am used to wearing. So through a dream, God prepared me a year ahead of time for what I'm now stepping into. Do you see why it's so important to write down your dreams? He'll give you a heads up. So back to the dream from this past week, the Lord healing the deformed church by restoring the apostle and the prophet leadership gifts. I've accepted the call of an apostle. Although I don't feel that I'm ready, the Lord says that I am. So I will trust him and obey what he has called me to do. You don't have to call me Apostle Cade. You don't. I'm not here for a title. 
I'm not here to try to force you to honor me. I simply ask that you pray for me constantly that I fulfill the call with great boldness. The role of an apostle is not glamorous, as many have mistaken it to be. Apostles must possess supernatural patience and endurance. Why? Because the Lord sends them into uncharted territory. And they must keep pressing forward even when it feels like all hell is raging against them. Think of the Apostle Paul and what he came up against. The Apostle, the apostle does not sit in his chambers and bark out orders. No, the Apostle is on the front line paving the way for the church to experience victory. I'm not even sure how this is going to unfold from here. I just know that I can trust what the Lord's doing, and I'll follow his lead. As I am faithful to follow Christ, you can rest in following where he takes me because it's going to be exactly where you need to go. Probably not where you want to go, but where you need to go. How many of you realize that where you want to go and where you need to go don't always line up? Jesus is recalibrating his church. Recalibrating. We cannot operate as rogue believers who gather once a week. That's what the church looks like right now. Rogue believers out living our lives. We gather once a week and then we go out and do our thing. We have to come together as an army who is submitted to the leadership structure of the church. We must trust that God knows what he's doing in appointing apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to lead the body of Christ. If we're to establish God's kingdom in Owasso, we must submit to his leadership structure. It's not going to work any other way. So I love how Rick Renner explains this. I want to read it to you because it's going to give you further insight. He has a book called Apostles and Prophets that he just recently wrote because I believe he had foresight into what God was about to unleash in the church to restore the apostle and the prophet. He wasn't even released to talk about the other three of the fivefold ministry gifts, because this book is huge, y'all. Kurt knows, because he has it. It is, in Tim and Darla, it is so big. I think it's bigger than the Bible. It's intimidating when it shows up. It's like, that's not what I was expecting. But he says this. He says, individually, every believer carries the Holy Spirit within them. But when all the members of the church are joined to become a larger body, all those various portions of Christ are divinely connected. United, we experience a fullness we cannot know apart from each other. God's long-term plan is for each member to be divinely joined to others and to function as the real living body of Christ on the earth with his heart, his pulse, and his hands and feet in order to touch others and carry the gospel where it needs to go. But to bring this plan out of the mystical realm and into reality, something else that's divine must occur. This God-breathed plan requires the help of the Christ-given five-fold ministry gifts who are anointed to do their respective parts in assembling and building the body of Christ so that the body can house the fullness of the Spirit, the fullness of Christ himself. So the time has come. God is no longer going to tolerate a deformed church. Either we submit to his design or we get out of the way. So with you as my witnesses, I humbly submit to Christ. He has called me to be an apostle. It doesn't matter if I like the clothes or not. This day I choose to put them on. 
Amen. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.